The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. I'm Ian Irving and with us today are Andy Mitten. Morning, Andy. Good morning. And Carl Anker. Morning, Carl. Morning, mate. You can probably tell from those good mornings that we're not really feeling like it's much of a good morning on this Monday. And we're going to spend the course of this podcast going back over Saturday. Just to cheer us all up that little bit more, here is our take on Manchester United nil, Watford nil. Elanga, Ronaldo, back to Elanga, driving forward, plays in Fernandez. Elanga, still going, does superbly well. Wide to Tellez, Ronaldo! Offside, Pogba, Fernandez. Another big chance got Elanga, looking for Ronaldo, Ronaldo around Foster, driven wide. Ronaldo clips it across to. Oh. Fred, Elanga, oh no, Fernandez to the byline, still going, blocked on the line, Ronaldo is in there, Fernandez with the ball in, Ronaldo's there, short, curling cross, the header just wide, Sancho creates space, Sancho! The theme of your piece, Carl, really, was echoed in an interview I did with Bruno Fernandes after the game. He said that if United had played for another 90 minutes, he's still not sure if they would have scored. Yeah, it was a, a really strange one. We had a chat at half-time in between, like a, a pie and a, a plate of chips, and we're going, this isn't bad, you know. United make some good chances. It felt okay, didn't it? We they were looking at that one of the ho- yeah. highlights, and there was a, there was the cross Pogba played in from the left to Fernandes, and we are going, oh, well, you know, Maybe Bruno could have led with his head. Why did he go for it with it with his right foot? But we were we both knew United weren't going to lose that game. And we were both sort of going, we're just going to wait for ha- how the win happens. And we didn't know how it happened, but we we're both like, yeah, you know, something will click. And it just didn't. And uh, I, I remember leaving and a security guard told me to bring my boots next time I came back to Old Trafford. He was like, bring your boots, wear them around your neck because we need something, anything. I didn't have the heart to tell him I'm absolutely useless at shooting on goal either. But uh, that's the sense of... You'd have fit in well then on Saturday, to be fair. <laughs> the, the thing was, Andy, as well, that I also interviewed Ben Foster. And and normally, if uh, a team like Watford in the relegation zone comes away from Old Trafford with a nil-nil draw, you're sort of talking about the goalkeeper's heroics and how incredible their defence was and all this sort of side of things and how resilient the team are. I'd, I was sort of struggling to find a question for him that, that sort of summed up what Watford were able to achieve in a sense because there wasn't really any heroics from Foster other than maybe one save in the first half from Bruno. It's a terrible result. Watford have taken four points from Manchester United this season. Watford are one of the favourites to go down. They hammered United 4-1. It's a terrible, terrible result. And it's not in isolation. that You always... The most successful teams tend to be tripped up once or twice or three times, but it's becoming the norm for Manchester United. And I think the first half was encouraging and there was definitely an expectation of, as Carl said at half-time, this isn't so bad, something is coming. But it didn't come. Once again, it didn't come. I thought Elanga had a, had a decent game. Ronaldo hit the post after five minutes. And United at that point, I think, look, 
everyone thought this is going to be three or four. And I spoke to a friend of mine who was in the Watford um, section after the game and he keeps apologising to me. Oh, yeah. We've rode our luck once again against you. And I'm like, you've not ridden your luck. You, you, you deserved to beat us 4-1 in October. And Manchester United need to be creating the, the, their own luck. And it's just a shocking result. And each time we talk about this, Manchester United lose more ground. I think United had 67% mm-hmm. of possession on Saturday, 22 shots to Watford's 10. But only three of them shots were on target to Watford's two. So that's exactly. three, against, three against two. XG was about 2.6 or 2.8, depending on who you ask. And I bring up XG because Rangit brings up XG in these draws. So he said he's, he brought up something similar against uh, Southampton. It was a really short press conference on Saturday. It was about four minutes. Just, yeah, it was like, this is two points dropped. I asked him, do you think... Uh, the team forgot their processes or were they too hasty? And he was like, well, there's not much more I could do. The, the general feeling from the press conference was like, well, there's not much I could do from a coaching perspective. We tried really hard. But we just weren't clinical enough. Yeah, Carl, the Manchester United interim manager, Ralph Rangnick, agrees with you. Here's what he had to say about that particular issue. I think we did everything apart from scoring. Um, hard to take that result, but uh, yeah, in the end, if you miss out that many chances, um, yeah, then it's difficult to win the game. I think we were in full control for almost the whole game. Didn't allow them hardly any counter-attacks, uh, yes, in the last five minutes, but apart from that, uh, we were in total control of the game. We had in the first half five massive chances and in the second half another three or four. So in total, enough chances to win that game. Sometimes we were unlucky, yes, with that moment when Chris hit the post, but uh, we also had quite a few opportunities one-on-one on the goalkeeper. Uh, and, and this is not luck. This is just a question of sharpness and, 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 yeah, and, this is, and, and efficiency, actually, in front of goal and being clinical. The, the, the one thing, actually, I thought, and we, we've praised him a lot, haven't we, in the last few weeks about his changes. I just wondered whether Saturday there was one too many changes when it came to taking off another midfielder and bringing on another attacker in that final change when Matic went off, Carl. They seem to sort of lose the, the sense of control and purpose. You've touched upon it in your piece on the yeah, Athletic it, as well. Taking off Matic, I can understand because he's... Um, I, it feels weird to say getting on a bit where he's very much a reasonable civilian age. but He's got on, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd love twenty seven year old Emmanuel Matic for this football team, but in, in his mid thirties, perhaps not. Can't play ninety minutes. So playing Fred with a single pivot, okay, I can understand that. But to remove him again and to play, I think when when Marcus Rashford came on, he sort of talked to Paul Pogba and, and whispered in his ear and very clearly tapped him on the stomach as a sort of you sit back and we're going to go forward. So it looked like a four two four with Bruno and Pogba in the middle. And I'm going to be really mean here. There is something of the Lampard-Gerrard problem with Bruno and Pogba when they play together in that central midfield because they both ideally want to get forward and they both want to start scoring goals. So if you put them in that deep central midfield position, there's just no patience. It's all it's all trying to get forward. It's all like hit it to the back post. It's all go, 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 go. And uh, you do just want someone to just calm down. It's only Watford. You know, they went 30 games this season without keeping a clean sheet. And yeah, Roy Hodgson's managed to get two before playing United, but Watford don't press the ball. The reason why Pogba was playing, you know, in that wing in that winger role for the first half is because I think Rangnick went, yeah, 
well, Watford aren't going to press and Pogba's really good when you don't press him. So let him spray the ball about a bit. But they were just... The substitutions led to a sense of chaos in that last 20 minutes that I thought was unnecessary. They didn't need the sense of chaos no, either, no. did they? Because they had so much control. And Andy, what do you think? Carl said the two words, scoring goals. I know this might seem odd saying it, a week after United scored four goals against Leeds United, but Manchester United are not scoring goals. The Brighton 2-0 at home a few weeks ago was the first time in six home matches, home matches, Old Trafford, against weaker teams in theory, that United had scored more than one goal and reverted to type in, in the last week. So people pick out the forwards in Manchester United's team and think the firepower, look at all these great names. The team are not scoring. Cavani has become a problem because he can't play. So... You might as well have Pele <laughs> in the team. He won't be able to play either, but he's a fantastic name. And I say that as someone who likes Edinson Cavani. I thought he finished last season superbly. I was pleased that he stayed, but he cannot uh, play. He, he wants to play. Ronaldo is 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 drying up, and Sancho started to chip in a little bit. But goal scoring is a problem. It's a major, major problem. The problem is it's across the team as well, isn't it? That That's the issue. So if, if Fernandez and Ronaldo have a day like that where it feels like no matter what they do, it's just not going to go in, th- there doesn't seem to be much in reserve to try and create the solution for United. I mean, in defence this season, all the defenders, all added together, all the performances they've had in 27 league matches, that Harry Maguire head of Ellen Road is the only goal that a defender has scored for United in the Premier League this season. I mean, we're sort of talking about Fred being fourth top scorer in the league with with three goals of the players that are available to United. No one, even Fernandes and Ronaldo, has broke double figures in 27 matches. That's your problem, Carl, isn't it? I did a piece shortly after the Brighton game with with John Muller and Marum looking at why United are so goal shy. Uh, And I feel as if United last season were... I know they were disparaged for only scoring counter-attacking goals, but they were they were good on the attacking transition. If you gave them space to play, they could really break it down. And then eventually Cavani came through, Pogba moved to left wing, and they started being able to break down teams that hunkered down. And then this season, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer changed things right at the start. So they went from you know just three one six in build up to two two six. So they you know Solskjaer basically went right. Let's try and play more possession football. Let's try and be less counter-attacking and be a little bit more adventurous when we have the ball and it worked really well for the first three four games and then it collapsed pretty quickly because they weren't secure in defense anymore they got absolutely torn on counter-attacks Rangnick's come in he's steadied the ship a bit he's made it and he's made United more secure they've definitely manufacturing a decent amount of chances they are a competent football team. I'm not going to say they're thrilling. I'm not going to say they're good. I'm not even going to say they're good to watch all the time. But I'm not watching this team going, oh God, they're going to get, they're going to collapse and get absolutely beaten up anymore in the way that I did two or three months ago. They do look completely devoid of confidence and they do look like they run out of patience with what Ralph Rank is trying to teach them after about an hour so there's 
fitness pro- you know, possibly fitness problems because you know that we've had Hassan will say the reverse gear isn't good because trying to play a, trying to make a team a pressing team without preseason is hard. But you do get this sense that in the 60 minute, 60th minute, the 70th minute, this team just goes, "Oh man, whatever Rannick's trying to teach us isn't working. Should we just try and do it the old-fashioned way?" And then it just becomes weird. If only someone hadn't sort of suggested maybe playing two up top as a formation for Manchester United. We'll come on to that and the formation uh, in a moment, of course, Rangnick and his ideas as well. But we're going to get a short break first. Subscribe to The Athletic now. Get your first six months at just £1 a month. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. You get full access to our great writing and analysis on United and also ad-free versions of all the Athletics podcasts. So make your way to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod and sign up now with your first six months at just £1 a month. Okay, we just sort of mentioned it briefly on the last podcast with Laurie. This uh, meeting that Ronaldo had with Ralph Rangnick, there's lots and lots of detail. It's a brilliant, very, very interesting piece on The Athletic uh, by Laurie on this issue that you can go and have a look at with your subscription at the minute. Um, Andy, what, what do you make of the idea behind playing two up front? What do you make about the idea of a player going to the manager to make these sort of suggestions? What do you make of the fact that that player's Ronaldo? Self-preservation. If you were Ronaldo, you'd probably do exactly the same thing because you need someone up top with you. So he's seen it from from his perspective. The manager has a has a different viewpoint to that, and that's why he's he's gone to him. Um, I think there's issues with the manager, um, good and bad. Look at him as a journalist. I think he's good. He speaks clearly. Gives you intelligent answers to the questions. I'm not convinced he's got the the faith of his players for several reasons. One, because he, he he is moving on, and I think we've seen that. As Carl said, the, the players are reverting to what they think they know best off their own accord. Uh, he the manager has frustration with some players who don't think follow his instruction, and likes the players who do follow his in, instruction. So you've not got harmony between player and managers. Um, the decisiveness of the manager, I think, is is an issue. We've seen that in some of his um, his decisions with Ronaldo. Um, it's not working out for him. So if you look at when he's been at his best, it's been with someone alongside him. Probably the best example is this season would be Tottenham away when he had Cavani alongside him. But if Cavani's not fit to play. Um, then he's not fit to play. So it's not good. The, 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 the end point is that United are well down on goals, scored 44 goals so far this season after 27 matches, nine less than at the same point last season. And Bielsa's gone as well, so that's going to be an even bigger issue because at least he gives you 10 goals a season. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Take those goals away and the goal-scoring record looks even worse, doesn't it? Definitely. Carl, it was um, the theme of your question to Ralph in the press conference on Friday and you wrote a piece about it as well. It feeds into this idea of, of players 
saying to the manager what they want to do, how they want to play, what formation they want to play. But the question is really how much has Ralph influenced Manchester United's play now? How much do you think now that United are a Ralph Rangnick team? He brushed it away, didn't he, on Friday, the, the question, and that made me think that maybe he thinks it's not yet a Ralph Rangnick team in that sense. It was strange. I, I sort of, you know, I asked him before the game against Atletico Madrid, Bruno Fernandes said United ha- had an identity now. Uh, and Diego Simeone said United evolved. And I thought, let me go in, ask Rangnick, does he think this team is a Ralph Rangnick side yet? And he very much, well, that's not really important. What's important is that we finish fourth and we, we, we achieve our goals, which was a surprisingly pragmatic answer from someone who can be quite principled. And I went away from that thinking, well, okay, if, if all that mattered was getting fourth, why are you bothering with trying to, why did you bother with a 4 2 2 2? Why did you bother with three or four different systems when you came in? If all it happened was just get fourth, why don't you just go back to what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was doing successfully at the end of last season, which I thought was interesting. In terms of this two up top idea, I think the only one who really benefits from two up top is Ronaldo. If you look at the two form players of, of this United team right now are Jaden Sancho and Anthony Alanga. And if you play 3-5-2 or you play 4-4-2, that moves them further away from goal. So you, you move your two best players right now in form away from goal in order to cater to, to Cristiano Ronaldo, who is, I mean, he's only scored one goal in the last 10 games. And he's in, I mean, Ronaldo has scoring slumps like every player does, but this is... It's his joint worst start to a calendar year, yeah, isn't it? I this think. is his worst scoring slump in in a sizable amount of time, and that goal against Brighton ended his longest goal drought since I think two thousand and nine, possibly. Like this, this is not a great Ronaldo anymore. Um, something that's concerned me is he just doesn't have that explosive five yards that he used to. Um, so against Southampton in the I want to say in the first half, he tried to round the goalkeeper uh, and go on his left and get a shot off, which is. A harder thing to do, but you, twenty-six year old Ronaldo, twenty-seven year old, twenty-eight, twenty-nine year old Ronaldo does it quite well. He gets the shot off, but doesn't quite get enough power on it. It gets cleared off the line against Watford. Alanga did a nice little give and go with Pogba, played in a through ball to Ronaldo. It was a kind of a scruffy through ball, but Ronaldo again goes to round Ben Foster, but he can't catch up to the ball on the right hand side. And by the time he gets there. The angle's too wide and he gets a crossover to Bruno Fernandes and Fernandes heads it wide. And it is very strange watching a game of football as Premier League defenders realise they can catch up to Ronaldo. There are two or three times where Ronaldo's trying to get into the ball towards the penalty area and he's trying to get that gap of separation to a centre-back and the centre-back's just going, hang on, I can I can, I can, can catch up with you. I, I can make a mistake in front of Cristiano Ronaldo and I'm not going to be immediately punished. And he is... He's also missing those second chances on goal because he's basically screaming to the heavens too much. The chances don't come in and he, he'll sort of shake his head and go, why? Uh, whereas, I mean, in the rare moments where Cavani is playing, Cavani will make a mistake and go, okay, get back on side, move again towards the goal. So it's really difficult right now with, with the goal scoring because as Andy said and as Ralph Rannick said, basically it's only really Ronaldo unless you want to try Marcus Rashford as the number nine. But then Rashford's in a really bad state of form right now. And if you want to play Rashford, you probably need to play Pogba on the left. 
which then means you have to sacrifice Jaden Sancho on the left. Where's Anthony Martial when you need him, Andy? Huh? He's in playing in Seville, who beat their <laughs> cross city rivals Betis at the weekend and a, and, and a second. Um, Ronaldo's struggling with the ball and he's struggling without the ball. Uh, last week I was on the road. I went to, as well as the game in, in Madrid, I went to Villarreal Juventus and I spoke to a lot of Juventus fans about Ronaldo. And these are, these are hardcore fans who travel away to Spain to watch their team and not one of them said they missed Ronaldo. Not one of them. Really? Not one. And then I went to Madrid and spoke to Manchester United fans about Ronaldo. And, I mean, this is just Fox Pops. This is just people on the street. You can get anything. But like the first four people I spoke to were, were negative. And one of my editors said, I can't believe the reaction of these people. And then I spoke to another guy who just said, I'm not saying anything bad about him. He's brilliant. He's the best player I've ever seen at Manchester United. But... There's emotion coming in. There's a butt there and there's emotion coming in and there's people remembering what Ronaldo was as opposed to what, what he is now. And after we'd done the podcast on Thursday in Madrid, I went to buy the, the newspapers and he, he got the worst mark of any player on the pitch in, in Madrid, a city where he is revered by the majority. Now, that might have been cheeky Atletico supporting journalists covering their team but I don't think it was we saw within ourselves and it's pretty sad to see the frustration of the decline of of Ronaldo and I'm sure there will be more great moments but there's butts Nicky butts <laughs> uh, the team would be a lot better with a young Nicky butt I'll tell you that uh, so I spoke to a Norwegian Atletico Madrid fan last week strangely enough, and he said he wasn't necessarily afraid of Cristiano Ronaldo anymore because he was aware that, you know, 37 years of age, he's not going to necessarily be the player he used to be. But he also said he didn't want to talk about Ronaldo too much because Ronaldo scores against Atletico Madrid. And I spoke to spoke to a fan leaving Old Trafford after Watford, and it was that thing of this fan was very much like, Ronaldo can't really run anymore. He's never been a great passer of the ball, so he can't if he can't create his own chances, you need to constantly give him loads of chances and we're not creating loads of chances as well. So it's really, really bad. And he sort of looked at me and went, he's going to score against City now, isn't he? Basically, everyone's yelling at him so much that it's going to create like a reverse momentum and he's going to have an amazing month of March. And I went, let's hope so. Yeah, it was that thing of, do you think that's going to happen? Or are you hoping that if you just talk about him enough and criticise him enough, he's going to do it? <laughs> um, I think everyone, it's one of those things where I know, you know, people who are very much pro Ronaldo say, oh, you're slating him. It's not just his fault. Every, everything's going this way or that way. But Cristiano Ronaldo expects himself to score all the time. And you can feel that frustration in every single game he has. You can feel that frustration now when he shoots and hits the post or it goes wide or there was like a little effort against Watford where he basically, you know, his shot got blocked by someone else and he was just kicking and screaming. He kicks the back post a lot when a chance doesn't go in. And I think, if you are a, a player who scored 800 goals, and depending on who you ask, you're either the, the highest goal scorer of all time or the second highest goal scorer of all time, depending on Pele and whatnot. If you constantly talk about how hard it is to to, to play football uh, and how much work you need to do, and, and it's all about mentality and it's all about mental focus and, and, and physical will, um, it is really strange watching a player not being able to bend reality to his will anymore, right? He, he looks confused by it. 
And I think this is also why he's probably getting the, the lowest scores by Madrid newspapers. It's because, basically, Ronaldo, you expect yourself to score. So when you're not, we're going to view you as harshly as you have viewed others harshly in games like this. The name's still there. He's still box office. He's saved Manchester United social media this season. That's why they're tweeting out about him every five minutes. Shirt sales went absolutely through the roof. On the ground in real life, I met two French people last week who'd never been to a football game before, who travelled to Madrid to watch Cristiano Ronaldo. Walking to the game in Bergamo, I met two Milanese Inter fans who'd gone to Bergamo to see Ronaldo. United fans sing... You've only come to see United. People are really only coming to see Ronaldo. <laughs> I'd love to speak to some of these people after the matches. Now, in Bergamo, we did actually perform. But this season in the calendar year, he's performing less and less. But he's still a major, major deal. And people who are not following Manchester United every single week, they don't see how ineffective he's becoming. He's still got this massive brand name. I just worried that. Manchester United is becoming a graveyard for your, your Schweinsteigers and your Ronaldos. And these people be, are being brought partly because of their commercial uh, uh, appeal. Or Radamel Falcao, um, who did try extremely hard and had just come through injury. When sometimes a John O'Shea or a Darren Fletcher or a Jason Park are far more effective. <laughs> You've just reminded me of two things from the weekend, actually. that I know two young boys who went to their first Manchester United games at the weekend. The first thing that both of them did when they got there was buy a Ronaldo scarf outside. The first thing they did when they went inside was record a video of themselves doing his celebration and shouting Sue as loud as they possibly could and echoing Old Trafford because they got in there as early as possible. And I also saw a group of five um, fans teenagers probably 15 16 something like that and they'd all had the word sue shaved into the side <laughs> of their heads badly it looked like they'd done it to each other and in fact it was so bad that they'd even spelt it wrong they'd spelt it suey s-u-i <laughs> and i thought that was absolutely brilliant at first i thought it was an, an advert for some uh english airline or uh, travel agent <laughs> of some description which it also would have spelt wrong but um yeah, I mean, that probably sums up Manchester United's afternoon, doesn't it? Shaving Sue into the side of your head and spelling it wrong. Opposition fans now sing Sue whenever Ronaldo misses a chance. That is yeah, now Watford the, the, doing the prevailing game, thing. Yeah. Watford, Watford fans did it. Southampton fans do it. Ronaldo misses something and the fans will go, Sue, because they think it's funny. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. This is it. What you're watching is sort of, the king of Lion Rock just being aged out a bit disgracefully. And you're like, well, this is bad. Well, I, I know the per the perfect thing to get us out of this. You know, what's the old saying? Form book goes out of the window on Derby Day, doesn't it? It's the Manchester Derby this weekend. Carl, you've already suggested it. Cristiano Ronaldo's going to score the winner at the Etihad Stadium. Andy, let's finish on a high. Let's give Manchester United fans a reason to be positive this week. What's the one thing that you can say that should give us all some form of optimism heading across the city this weekend. That there are still those great individuals who are long overdue doing something. And also, when Man United play at City, they've managed to pull out some of their best results when absolutely nobody expects it. Ollie was 
particularly effective at, at it. Remember Marcus scoring in a 1 0 win before that. So, m- more of the same, please. Sometimes football can can really surprise and I can't believe we're scraping the barrel at this level at Manchester United but we are yeah we are aren't we unfortunately but yeah last season Manchester City nil, Manchester United 2 in the Premier League the season before Manchester City nil, Manchester United 1 in the EFL Cup also in that season Manchester City 1 Manchester United 2 in the Premier League uh, and it's 2018 the last time that City actually beat Manchester United at the Etihad Stadium so I hope you're feeling all a little bit better after that because at times that was a tough listen, I'm sure, to this podcast for one reason or another. But thank you so much as always, everyone, for listening. Remember, there's that offer on The Athletic at the minute. £1 for the first six months on a new subscription. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. But Andy, thank you for being here. Carl, you as well. Always great to have both of you on, of course. And we'll see everyone on Thursday ahead of that trip to the Etihad Stadium. Take care. See you on the next one. Bye-bye. Athletic.